Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah and I'm here with Kim Minch and she is going to talk to us about turning your relationship with your teen around. I hear stories all the time of um, really just a disconnect between teens and their parents and uh, kids have had such a hard time through the pandemic and it's just harder to be a teenager than it used to be. We we didn't grow up dealing with social media issues or thinking there may be something on the internet that follows us forever. Um, and these, these teens are having a different experience and they need their parents more than ever. How are you, Kim? I am great, Sarah. and so happy to be talking with you today. Well, I am happy to be talking to you. And we already recognized we had a, she's in one of my absolute favorite cities that I used to, before the pandemic, I used to, <laughs> we could have done this live, but uh, now we're graciously meeting through the internet. So Kim, let's talk about how to turn things around for your teen, or, or maybe let's start with what does that disconnect look like? You know, if you feel like things aren't going well with your teen, which sign should you watch out for that that relationship is severed? Well, Sarah, I think one of the greatest challenges that I see in the work that I do, and as being a mom of five, is that we have parents that are trying to parent the way they were raised. And that is not working. It's not working because, as you mentioned, we have a lot of more information coming at us. We have screen time. We have things. Our kids are encountering things that we didn't even have any idea were possible in daily you know, use in terms of media coming in, the influence that has on the way kids feel about themselves and their relationships and everything else. So I think the biggest problem that I see especially during the teen years, is that we are trying to parent the way we were raised because that's, first of all, a lot of us, that's that's all we know. And second, it's because we think now we're, you know, now we're in the parent seat and our kids need to be respecting us and doing all the things that we once did. And with all of this additional information coming in for our kids, they have so much influence that isn't that isn't us as parents, especially as they head through their teen years, right? So what's important for parents to be doing is shifting from a place of wanting to power over or control or coming from a place of fear, which is all, I mean, all, all um, understandable because all of us are, you know, all of us as parents are wondering what are our kids seeing and how is this influencing them? And they're spending so many hours, on, you know, in front of a screen and they're not, you know, going outside and all the things that are related to the pandemic, there's just so much, right? But what I'm what I'm seeing and what I'm saying and what I've invested in in my own relationships with my kids that are 16 to 34 at this point is we've got to create a relationship with our kids that doesn't look like a friendship, but doesn't look like we're also trying to control them. It has to, there's there's a there's a tightrope walk that we have to take during adolescence that goes from wanting to um, teach our kids, um, knowing the answers, or um, not being open to their thoughts and feelings, to one of coming alongside of them and guiding them. I'm not talking about a friendship. 
We, our kids have friends. They don't need us to be their friend. They need us to be the structure and the scaffolding as they change and grow into adulthood. They need us to be the safe place to fall when they've made a mistake or an unhealthy choice. They don't need us to, on top of whatever natural consequences come from the decisions or the choices they've made, to shame them on top of it with consequences and punishments. They don't. They don't need that. (laughs) So really moving away from I'm the parent, that's why. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know what you you may gain with, with certain kids, you may gain some compliance for now, but you have to look at this parenting role as a lifelong journey and ask yourself what you want, what kind of relationship you want to have when your child becomes an adult. Because the reality is if you white knuckle it all the way through their adolescence and maybe you get them to college or they move out of the house or whatever, how much are they going to want to come home and how much influence and relationship do you think you will have with your future grandchildren? We parents are the manual on which our grandchildren will be raised. And that is something really to think about, right? I mean, it really is. It's if, if we are, we have so much influence on the future parent parents do. And I don't think they understand that they come from a place of, again, wanting to control or coming from a place of fear when what our kids need during these teen years is a place for them to come and be able to talk openly about what they are learning, about the experiences they are having. I mean, our kids are just having, coming into situations that we never entertained as teenagers, you know? Um, with their kids and their relationships, their friends. Uh, so it's it's really important for us to get past the fear and anxiety. And that's that's what I do work with parents on when I'm coaching them, because a lot of it is just they're anxious, they're fearful of the future. And let's just stay here and build a close connection with the kids now so that they will listen to our wisdom. Because when we're just lecturing at them, they're they're not listening, they're going to shut down. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important piece to mention because it's very, mm, it's more fun to think, hey, my teen's having problems and look how great I am. <laughs> or my kids are having problems, but look how great I'm doing versus, you know, hey, maybe there's some control issues. Uh, and I see this a lot, you know, in my my work, a lot of my women are divorced, right? And so there's something just terrifying about the lack of control of that. You know, it's like, there's a whole piece of my kid's life that I can't it's monitor what movies yeah. they watch, who's right. at their house, whether or not they're spending the night with someone I'm not comfortable with. Like, it is a huge loss of control. Um, I also think that's been one of the greatest gifts of my own parenting, right? Because what I see some of my friends who kind of have this illusion that they still can control their kids, and I lost that illusion drastically early in my kid's life. Um, and, you know, it's both a gift and a curse. Right, right. Well, and I will say this. The other thing that I see is parents are, they are willing to invest in their kids success in terms of whether that's academics or sports or um, music classes or whatever it is, but they don't, when it comes to investing in the relationships with their kids, 
that that's not something that's on the radar. And parents, I when I as much as I've just said we need to ease back on the control, they do, parents do have more control than they think to influence the kind of relationship they're having with their teenager. But that comes from working on themselves, not from, oh, my teen has the problem, let's get him or her into counseling. The child may very well need counseling, but whatever problem that child is having, it's 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 part of the family system. And so when parents are working on themselves in tandem with this child, getting counseling if they needed, that is the true, you know, that is the real um, opportunity for transformation of a family. If you just send a child to counseling because they're having a problem and you're not looking at what part you might play in it, I, I know this and I speak from experience with having a child that went through addiction. I mean, I, I had to, I didn't sit in it and wallow in it, but I had to acknowledge where my parenting contributed to the situation that he was in. So being accountable, if we want our kids to be accountable, we also need to be accountable to the relationship that we're having with them. And like I said, we really do have more control than we think. We just have to shift the way we're building this relationship because what we experienced as kids doesn't work in this generation. So what are some ways that parents have control that they have more control than they realize? Uh, well, I think that, when that we might miss when we provide an environment at home where we're willing to listen to who our kids are and not who we want or need them to be, that signals that they are in a safe place, that they are in a place where they can really be themselves. When they feel that, they are more open to listening to what we have to say. I want to stop you there for something for our listeners. So a lot of my audience have had experiences with, they usually find me because there's some conversation about narcissism or or something like that. And then they come to me and I don't obsess over that piece of the work because there's plenty of people obsessing over narcissists. You know, I'm really building that life after, but in that life after, Empathy and accepting your child for who they are rather than who you want them to be is the absolute golden ticket to parental alienation, avoiding parental alienation, avoiding, I mean, all these problems, because that is if you were with someone who is unempathetic and is a narcissist and needs a child as an extension of themselves, that is the one piece of the battle. I hate to call it that way, but that's the one token that you can do that your ex cannot in having that solid relationship with the kid, because I have a lot of people and they're afraid of losing their child. And I'm like, it's, it's not counter parenting. It's just do, it's just good parenting. Who is your child? Learn who they are, help support who they are. It has nothing to do with the ex. Like it has nothing to even do with that. It's just trying to be a good parent to the to the child that is in your home, not the child that uh, you consider as an extension of yourself. Right. right? right. Or you envisioned this child would be, or, I mean, I think that's one of the, I have, like I mentioned, I have five kids and they're all incredibly different human beings. Mm -hmm. And um, to be, to learn as a parent, how to detach from your child's outcomes because they're not a reflection of who you are is 
one of the greatest things that, you know, and that's not something that we can, you know, break down in, in two minutes, but it is one of the things that in, you know, three decades of parenting, I have really valued and learned is to appreciate my kids and, and to understand we don't know why they've come into the world and what they're meant to experience. That doesn't mean we just don't have any rules and hey, let them do what they want. It's not that. It's just to understand as a parent, we can't always protect what our kids may have to go through and encounter in their lifetimes and what they're going to grow through. Because if you look at your own teen years, if you look at, I know I experienced, I actually became a mother at the age of 18. And some of the turmoil and some of the challenges I went with um, went through with my parents also contributed to my ability to be resilient and my ability to, um, when I make choices, you know, to live out those consequences of whatever the choices are. Um, and I think really that, that we don't concentrate that on that as much, you know, from a parent perspective, we can really want to protect our kids when sometimes the most important thing for them to do is to go through something that we wish they would never have to go through. And that's also a really important piece for my audience because usually there's a lot of guilt from like, ah, you've already been through this because of my marriage or this type of thing. So now my job is to protect you from every other single possibly thing that could ever happen. And you're a teenager and I'm going to be really, really in your business and really make sure. And you see this, like, for those listening on the podcast, you can't see my lean in energy. Kim's like, ah, (laughs) that's what, that's the dynamic I see. Um, And I see it going very poorly. Yeah. And it's understandable. I, I was in uh, my eldest son that I had as a teenager, that was an abusive narcissistic relationship that I was in. I've since married and have been married for many years. Um, But in terms of, and actually going back to what you said about appreciating our kids for who they are, I, I, there was a time at which maybe your maybe some of your listeners will identify with this. When my son was about 13, 14 years old, he started to show some mannerisms and some attitudes that his dad had. And I think I remember, and, and I, I started down this path of like really getting irritated and triggered very much by it and really worried about that. He was going to turn into his father kind of thing. And I really had to, like, I remember exactly where I was in my house that said, you know, this is, this child is not his father. Do not put him in this same situation. Again, I think that's where maybe I started the whole appreciate your child for who he is and not who you want or need him to be. And don't start freaking out because you've heard him say this. And that kind of reminds you of his dad. And that, I mean, it's really, it's not easy, but it is an everyday practice. So I would say if a parent has gone down a path of like, you know, making this comparison and really, you know, it's never too late today's a new day and it's a practice every single day, but your child is not their parent. Well, in a way that I talk to women about that is if you have a narcissist 
or someone who has narcissistic tendencies, they act like the worst version of teenager that exists <laughs> or, or the worst stage of teen, you know. And the problem is that they are 30, 40, 50 acting like that, not that the 13 and 14 year old has some off days, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> the problem is that it expanded. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. So, yeah, so not, so working on not being triggered, you know, getting down this, um, future tripping, tripping rabbit hole of, oh my gosh, you know, I'm seeing this and this is going to happen and whatever teenagers are fairly, you know, can be fairly self-centered centered stage of development. And so keeping that in mind, I think also, again, that I love working with parents who are, have a lot of anxiety and helping them to understand what's, okay and what might be a red flag you know things and helping be the container of that fear and anxiety so isn't it isn't inadvertently projected onto their kids Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because kids are going through enough right you talked about some um ways in your own life that you kind of wish you had I don't want to say prevent addiction, but you you kind of said when you were going through a childhood addiction that there were certain characteristics you looked at. And I'm guessing those are connected to some of those red flags that you just mentioned and the things parents really should be worried about. Yeah. The situation that I was in was, so I extricated myself from my son's father. I got out of the relationship, but of course we had to co-parent. And um, because my son was going between two very different homes. Um, and, and because honestly, I, I had such a difficult time dealing with his dad. Like I, I always felt that I was coming from a place of really just wanting to do the best for our son. And I did think it was important for him to have a relationship with his son. So I never tried to withhold that, but we always, we didn't always see things eye to eye. And quite frankly, he was very unhappy that I, left the situation. And what I didn't realize was for many years, he took that out on my son. And my son was very loyal to his father. And there was emotional and physical abuse that I had no idea was taking place. And as a preteen, my son became, we did get him into counseling, right? We got him into counseling because we could see he was anxious. He was showing signs of depression. Um, not being able to get up in the morning, but what I, what I understood when it finally came to light at 20, that he was addicted to alcohol, which he started drinking at 15 after we'd go to bed at night because he couldn't sleep was that he was enduring, you know, a lot of abuse. And, um, so I can sit in the fact that I, as difficult as his dad was for me to deal with there came a point during my son's teen years that I was pretty much hands off with his dad and just, you know, I communicated with my son and I didn't really know what was going on in the other situation. Um, We had rules at our house that I knew his dad didn't also keep in place, but there was nothing that I was going to be able to do about that. My son at 16, he gave him a car. So we no longer even had to pass the child back and forth, you know, to see each other for those few minutes. And the only time I ever really saw him was at um, school conferences. And quite frankly, um, I'm glossing over a lot of the story, but he was an alcoholic. He ended up dying at the age of 42. Um, But 
the only time I saw his dad was at school conferences. And I would stand away from him because I didn't want other parents to know or think that we were together because he reeked of alcohol and it just wasn't, you know, I just didn't want to be associated with him. And so I'm sure, and my son was there at those times. And so I'm sure that my lack of ability to converse or to work with his dad at times contributed to maybe feeling isolated, you know, my son feeling isolated and and that kind of thing. However, I will say, um, I felt like my son and I had a great relationship during his teen years. We, we talked about a lot of things. It was just, your kids will only tell you what they, what they can tell you, you know, like they, we had good rapport. He would talk to me about girlfriends and stuff like that. Um, but he wouldn't share what was going on, you know, in the other, in the other situation. So um, yes, being accountable for, and my son and I have talked this through, right? We've, he's an adult and we've, we've talked about this and I'm blessed to say that, that not only is he 11 years sober, but he's told me a number of times that he wouldn't change a thing about what's happened Mm -hmm. in his life because it's made him who he is and he loves who he is. So that's how, I mean, it's helpful to know that, right? And I know how easy it is as a parent to look at the negatives or the things that you may be contributed to or, or how you got yourself into this relationship. None of that serves you, nor does it serve the relationship with your child. It is never too late. It is never too late to acknowledge, but also to move forward. And to build from wherever, whatever situation you're in at the moment. So what is your favorite tip for moving forward and building into uh, that next phase? Okay, here's, here's what I've come to believe. This is, this is a quote that came to me a couple of years ago. And I truly believe that if a parent will think about this, they can move forward. And that is this. Our children come through us, not for us except for the lessons they reflect to us during their journey in an effort to grow us up along the way. So our children are our greatest teachers. And we can use motherhood and or fatherhood as a way to reparent and grow ourselves up. And again, I I will say that, you know, we are, we are the manual in which the future generations will be parented. So what could be a, a more important thing to assess and to work on every day than this role that you have as, you know, a leader in your home? I love it. And I, um, I'm often talking about leading by example. So I, I love I love the being a leader in your home and being a leader in emotional health, a leader in mental health, a leader in stability, right? So so yes. that we're not oh we got my cord up and down all the time, you know, because if you're up and down all the time, you're gonna get a mess. Yes. <laughs> That's a good illustration. Yeah. Kim, tell people where they can find more out about you. You can find out about me on my website, which is reallifeparentguide.com. And also I have a book out called Becoming Me While Raising You. You can find that on Amazon. 
I love it. Kim, thank you for helping us today on our journey to raising teens and becoming toxic person proof. Thanks, Sarah. Are you loving the Toxic Person Proof podcast? Don't forget to check out the book, Becoming Toxic Person Proof. Clear the confusion and learn to trust yourself again. Available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live, there's tons of support, and most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.